series called The Calling, and uh, looking forward to getting into it this morning. So far, we've looked at two New Testament passages. In 1 Corinthians 1, we saw the theme, We Preach Christ, and in Ephesians 1, we saw the hope of His calling. This morning, let's go to Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, where we will see the high calling of God. <clears throat> the high calling of God. Philippians chapter 3. And while you're turning there, uh, don't forget, two weeks from today is our once-a-year Mission Sunday. And this is a special day when we recognize God's calling for us and all of us to be a part of worldwide evangelism. Uh, right after the morning service, we are having an international luncheon out in the gymnasium and I want you to be thinking about what you would like to bring for the gathering. Uh, if you can, bring a main dish and also a dessert, okay? Uh, now, how many of you lean, when, you know, when you're going through the line, you're looking more for, like, I really want to eat some main dishes, okay? And how many of you are like, I want the desserts? Okay, so how many want both? Okay, so yeah, you're just normal people, just want both. Now, you, you got to have to be creative. Uh, we have all sorts of really cool things that people bring every year uh, that are such really neat international dishes. And I have tried dishes for the very first time at our international dinner. And this year it's a luncheon. And uh, so we're going to have a fun time on that Sunday, two weeks from today. And I hope you'll be there uh, for that. Next week, we start our sign-up sheet for our truck retreat. And we didn't have a trunk retreat last year. This year, we are shooting to have it on October 30th, the last Saturday in October. And for us to be able to do it, we need about 25 cars uh, that would be willing to, to do this. And by the way, cars don't do it by themselves, okay? And actually, people have to help them. So uh, when we do sign-ups next week, if we could get the sign-ups just right away, then the event will be on and we'll be going for it. Uh, this is a great bridge event to our community. 
Many people, we usually have about 1,500 to 2,000 people that come to this event and come onto our church property, and many of them just come for candy, but they also find out where we're at, and then sometimes they come to church, and sometimes they hear about Jesus for the first time, and sometimes they give their lives to Christ, and so it's just an event where the community knows about us, and we get to know them, and we would love for you to be a part. It's an evangelistic event. Okay, Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to start today reading in verse number 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, this is one of the more familiar passages in all the letters of Paul. And as we break it down this morning, we want to concentrate on what verse 14 calls the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And we know that Paul's eternity was immediately changed on the Damascus road when he said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And gave his life to Christ. But you know, his spiritual maturity was a process Uh, of many years, and so is mine and so is yours. No one becomes spiritually mature overnight, right? There's no such thing as instant development uh, or instant Christian adulthood, okay? Now, we would all be just a hair freaked out uh, if little Elijah David Smith walked his way into church this morning, right? Because he was just born on Thursday, He was born on Thursday. If he walked into here this morning, we we would probably think, you know, there's something very strange going on. Kids don't mature that quickly, right? Maybe giraffe kids, but not human kids. And, And so no one becomes spiritually mature overnight. There's no such thing as as moving from, you know, this infant Christian to this seasoned Christian in a fast way. There's a path. And the path is called discipleship. And each step that you take on the path leads you closer to becoming like Christ. Paul was pressing toward the mark of this high calling he had been given. And we should also be pressing toward the mark. Now, today's message, we're going to see four items that the high calling of God brings into our lives. And so the notes are provided for you in your bulletin. They're also on the YouVersion app, and there are kids' bulletins for the kids today. 
Let's talk about first, it requires losing. The high calling of God requires losing. I want you to go back to verse number four, where we see Paul delivering uh, a warning against those who are trusting in their own righteousness to get them to God. And as an example, he uses his own earthly pedigree. Look what he says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinketh that he had whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. And Paul realized that he could either hold on to his earthly righteousness and end up with eternal death and hell, or he could release his earthly righteousness and be covered with the righteousness of Jesus. But he couldn't try for righteousness on his own and be covered with the blood of Jesus at the same time. Those two things have no ability to mix. They're absolutely separate. And, and so Paul says, I had to gain by losing. And it really wasn't a difficult choice. He said, I could either gain earthly recognition from other Pharisees and lose my soul for eternity, or I could lose my supposed acts of righteousness and gain eternity through Christ. But the high calling of God always, always, always requires losing. And so you see, the first part of finding God's purpose for your life involves a heavy dose of self-denial. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Now, what does that mean? What do I have to lose to follow Jesus? Well, the short and straight answer is anything that's not Jesus. Okay, in Luke 5.11, it says, and when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. And you cannot follow Christ while clutching other pursuits. And that's why modern, all-about-me Christianity never delivers on participating in the high calling of God. I believe that modern, uncommitted, uh, casual Christianity is a false religion. Because it says, I can follow Jesus and everything else at the same time. There might be some neat songs and books that go with that false religion, but Jesus said, deny yourself, not because he was being mean, not because he's trying to keep you from living your best life now. Hey, that's a book title. Um, you know, Jesus was very practical. If you don't set everything else down, how will you possibly be able to take up your cross? Now, I need a helper for just a second this morning, and it needs to be a strong young person. And I, oh, I see some, some hands right here. Okay, the tallest hand is this young lady right here. Come on up here. Okay, it's the tallest hand I saw. It may just be because she's taller, ladies. I'm sorry. All right, what's your name? Tessa. This is Tessa, everybody. Okay, she's going to help me for just a minute. Tessa, here you go. This is your life, right? Everything in your life is going to fit into this box, okay? 
And can everybody see Tessa? Do we need to move this out of the way for a second? Okay, here we go. Now they can see you on camera too, Tessa. You didn't know you signed up for that, huh? Okay, so what do you need in your life? She needs an education. You guys agree, right? You give her a big, thick book. Okay. Uh, she may need to do, you know, some type of construction in her life. So give her, give her some out for her dad. Her dad, Kevin. Just kidding. His name's Tim. Okay. Uh, souvenir she might need from somewhere she goes. She probably would like something to drink, you know, right? Shouldn't eat and drink. Uh, who doesn't need a toy in life? You know what I'm saying? You need a toy. Uh, and then if you are in the modern world, you know what else you need for your toy? Batteries. Okay? In fact, batteries cost more than the toy. And so she needs batteries. And then she also, she needs food. Now, some of you saw this, the Hershey Kisses can, and you thought this meant that she needed romance. She needs food. Okay, all right, she needs food. There we go. And then she needs some more souvenirs. Like she needs to go to the Bahamas, get a clock. Um, she needs uh, deodorant. I'm not, that's not personal, like just everybody, beauty, you know, take care of yourself. She probably needs to clean up her room. She needs a paintbrush, you know, get that. Uh, Tessie, do you play sports? Okay, she needs some sports equipment. And a new car. She needs a car, right? And she probably needs some comfort. We'll get her some comfort. And then we're going to add in a musical instrument because, you know, who doesn't want to play a musical instrument? All right, so this is her life. How's your life doing? Is it getting heavy? Okay, just stand there for a while. Is it getting heavy now? Okay. Well, just stand there for a while. In the meantime, I need you to take up the cross so that you can follow Jesus. Ah, she asked a very important question. You guys didn't hear. She said, setting this down or holding it? And that, my friends, is the entire message for the day. Let's all go home. <laughs> I mean, out of the mouth of, well, older than, you know, but, yeah, you can't say babe on stage, though, with a girl, Sydney, so you got to know that. See, <laughs> see, I knew this. You can't, you just can't say that. The context is different. The King James English is, is different, so we got to be careful with that one. But, and she made this valid point. How in the world am I going to take up the cross if I got all this other stuff? Now, it would be really hard for her. And in fact, if she's going to take up the cross, instead of the cross just being set on top of her, she for sure will have to lay down her load. Right? Here's what modern Christianity is teaching, though. They're teaching that I can carry all this and then just add Jesus to it, and voila, I've got my Christian lifestyle. And I'm telling you, biblically, scripturally, practically, it don't work. 
that dog won't hunt, as they say in the South. Right? Would you guys give Tessa a hand? She did a great job. All right. Oh, you forgot your cross. I'm just kidding. All right. Yeah. All right. She did great. So, look, if your hands are already full of your own pursuits, where's the cross that you need to carry going to go? So when Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, it's not just spiritual, it's practical. Now, if you want to know where you are at on this issue, just ask yourself, what do I refuse to put down so that I can pick up the cross of God's high calling? Am I more inclined to deny myself of all that my flesh desires or to deny Christ's calling on my life? And this is a tough issue for all of us. Self-denial is not an easy road, but self-denial is what leads to the high calling of God which is the most fulfilling pursuit available. Now, we read verse 7. Let's carry on to verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Here's the second thing. It reveals winning. It reveals winning. Losing leads to winning. And what you lost doesn't even begin to compare with who you win. I have suffered the loss of all things, he says, that I may win Christ. It's like saying, I suffered the loss of not eating a Twinkie so I could win a gold medal at the Olympics, right? I traded a picture of a really nice house for a really nice house. I swapped out a a matchbox car for an actual Camaro. I exchanged a vacation brochure for a vacation. There's no comparison that makes this statement powerful enough. As you grow into the high calling God has placed on you, Victories that used to mean something will mean nothing. And you'll consider Jesus the only thing worth winning. Paul says that that circumcision certificate that used to hang on my wall now is like scubula compared to an actual relationship with Jesus. You say, what's scubula? Well, scubula is the Greek word that's used here in verse 8. Scubula is probably the closest thing to a curse word found in the New Testament. Now, the King James translators called it dung in English, but you can use your imagination. Paul says, my tribal pedigree is scubula compared to my status as a child of God. My great title of Pharisee is is worth less than nothing to me. And Jesus is worth everything. The things I used to call wins are complete duds. I was delusional for thinking they were important. They were less than trivial. 
They were as important as pond scum or dryer lint or belly button fuzz. And you say, Pastor, you're being overly dramatic about the passage. Actually, I'm pretty sure this is tame compared to when it was first read in the church at Philippi, and people started looking around the room at each other and whispering, like, did the apostle just say, I can't believe he? It was an abrupt caution against holding on to earthly accomplishments and losing Christ in return. When a kid's little and he's learning his letters, including the letters of his name, uh, and it's a big deal to him. Uh, it's a big deal to everyone else. Titus, who uh, is our three-year-old, he's now learning the letters of his name. And as we drive down the road, he is seeing T's everywhere. There's a T. That's my name, he says. And the other day I spelled his name. I said, your name is Titus, T-I-T-U-S. And he said, no, Dad, it's Titus, T-I-T-U-S. And I looked at him like, huh? I think we pretty much spelled the same thing. But to him, it's spelled I, not I. And, I, and so, you know, as parents, here we are you know, with him figuring these letters out. We're cheering him on, get those letters right, learn the letters. But, you know, when he's 14, we won't cheer him on for knowing the letter T anymore, okay? Hopefully when he's four, we won't. Uh, a couple months ago, Sophie, our eight-year-old, she went into the yard and she caught an impressive number of roly-polies and placed them in a new habitat, a mason jar. And the next day, the roly-polies, <laughs> they weren't doing so well, if you know what I mean. Uh, the great victory of roly-poly catching from the day before had turned into trash can filler. The things that we cheer for in our immaturity so many times turn out to be worthless. Guaranteed, your mom used to cheer for you when you did a scuba in the potty. But you have moved past calling that a victory in your life. Please tell me you have. The, the things that you thought were your greatest accomplishments at 12 years old are now in a box somewhere, or they've already been thrown away, or your mom still has them on the wall of your childhood bedroom, which is very embarrassing. And uh, there's a refiguring of values that takes place in the process of discipleship. This recognition was now hitting very clearly with Paul. He said, my so-called victories were actually just a pile of refuse compared to Christ. He is the only thing worth winning. And so this high calling of God requires losing, but it reveals winning. That is infinitely more value than the losing. But there's more. The third thing is this, it remakes identity. It remakes identity. As a religious adult, Paul was wrapped up in the identity that we read about there in verses 4 through 6. Everything in his life was performance-related. He was trying to earn his way to God. But then he bowed his heart to Jesus and said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And the old rapper that had been so vital to his existence fell away and was changed to an identity in Christ. Look at verse number 9. This is so powerful. 
He said, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. For the first time in his life, Paul was found. Now look, you can only be found if you realize you are lost, right? Have you ever been with somebody who you knew was lost, but they didn't figure out that they were lost or they wouldn't admit they were lost? Ladies, you know what I'm talking about here, right? It's called the husband. <laughs> and when you're out driving somewhere, we're going to here. Haven't we passed here before? Yeah, we're just, you know, searching around, just having fun driving. Yeah, didn't we go by here two times now? Well, you know, I really like that mountain over here and that tree over there. And haven't we gone down this way three times now? Well, you know what? Maybe we'll stop for a soda. Honey, you just stay in the car for a minute. I don't know. I'll go in here. I'm going to get it. You want a soda? You know what the de real deal is? He's lost. But you can't be found until you're lost, until you admit it. And when you come to Jesus, your security is still founded in earthly pedigrees and accomplishments. It's the wrapper of your life. When I say wrapper, it's the word with the W in the front, not the one where you say really cool stuff with a beat. All right? So the wrapper of your life, the about info that you have carefully published for yourself, the things and places and background that supposedly define you. This is where I went to school. These are my degrees. This is my family structure. This is the music I like. These are my entertainment choices. Your identity is based on who you think you are. But the moment you trust Jesus as your Savior and make him Lord of your life, all things are made new in Christ. Verse 9 says to be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, no, but that which is through the faith of Christ. Now look at verse 10. It goes right along with it. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And all of a sudden, his resurrection and his sufferings cover our old identity structures and we conform to his image. We conform to his image. The more that we walk on the high calling of God path, the less our old identity structures have any significance because our significance is in knowing and loving the one who knows and loves us. Uh, that's what it means in, in verse 12, that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended. It means I want to know him because he knows me better than anybody ever could. Uh, he carries me. He knows me. He's aware of everything in my life. And uh, it's so beautiful how this process works. As Paul would later write to Titus, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. And when I am wrapped in God's mercy, 
My identity is no longer who I think I am. It's now who God says I am. A child of the king, authorized and empowered to live out the high calling of God. Here's the point. If your life is all about maintaining the old wrapper and focusing on your about information and airbrushing the photos of you so that you can manage identity, it is time to revisit the identity you've been given in Christ, the wrapper of his righteousness to cover you. When people look at someone wrapped in Christ's righteousness, you know what they recognize? Grace. They may not even know what the term means, but they sense that there is an identity that is grounded in something outside the boundaries of humanity. Jesus said it this way in the Sermon on the Mount. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. See, earthly identity has this comparison mentality. It's like, that person is like me. Faults and bumps and bruises. And there's this comparison game we play, even though it's not usually on purpose. They're like, yeah, we went to high school together, but I'm pretty sure she looks older than I do now. We used to work together back in the day, but it looks like he's put on a few pounds since then, Right? Earthly identity uh, defines me good by seeing you bad. It's all about comparison and image management. But the heavenly identity points everyone to the grace of God. And it's so refreshing to see God's grace at work in a life. There's no longer a controlled image of human goodness. Instead, there's authentic godliness. You know what religion sells? Religion sells a front stage of your life that is buttoned up. The appearance of having everything figured out. A well-managed life. A well-spoken tongue. Having it all together. You know what Jesus offers? He offers a grace that affects the front stage and the backstage. A change from the inside out. From the heart to the surface. Everyone around you knows it didn't come from you. Change that can't be explained by human terms. Change that makes people say, only God could do this. And when people see your life, if they don't think only God could do this, you're doing it the wrong way. Because we want people to see what God is doing in our lives. And we get down to verse number 12. And he said, not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect. Right? The religious lifestyle of the front stage says, I got to show everything perfect. Right? And we have to stage pictures on vacation so that we can manage perfectly our image to the rest of the world. And our kids know it and they hate it. And then soon they hate us. Because like, Mom, why do I have to smile? I don't want to smile right now. You have to smile because everybody on Facebook looking at you, honey. <laughs> they want to see your pretty teeth. You know, we, we do this image stuff, and Paul says, not as though I'd already attained. Either we're already perfect. 
Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing or reaching forth those things which are before, I press toward the mark. Here's the fourth part and final part. It refines priorities. The high calling of God refines priorities. Now, here's what happens on the discipleship journey. The more we focus on the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, the less we focus on everything else. That's why Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. You guys remember when Tessa was on the stage, and she's trying to carry this and the cross, and she can't do it because you can't carry both at the same time. But here's the interesting thing that happens when she sets this down and picks the cross up and only focuses on the cross, all those things take care of themselves. It's the miracle of Christianity. You focus on Jesus, and Jesus provides for everything you need. That's what Matthew 6 talks all about. He said, take no thought for the morrow. The morrow, take, it's going to be sufficient to the evil thereof. God feeds the birds and the lilies. He's going to take care of you. Don't worry about what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat. Don't worry about self-management. Carry the cross. Jesus takes care of it all. It's such a beautiful thing. You put Jesus in the viewfinder, all the other stuff fades into the distance. And the answer for distracted living is still a singular focus on Christ. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, all that scoopla stuff we talked about, reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I know this has never happened to you before, but sometimes I'm sitting in my chair, and the thought suddenly crosses my mind, what am I working on? Like, what am I doing? Or I'm driving down the road, and the thought crosses my mind, where am I going? Or I'm at the store, and it hits me, what did I come here to get? Especially if I go to Costco. Like I went to get one $10 thing. How did I walk out with a $180 bill? Distracted living is common to man. And if I get distracted in a daily living, then it follows that I also get distracted in my walk with God. I lose focus on Christ. I lose sight of eternity. And I start to buy in to all the scuba-related stuff that I used to have my life centered around. Now, once again, that's my experience, and I doubt that any of you have gone through any of that. But it certainly looks like Paul did. Yes, he lived in the first century before electrical gadgets and moving machinery and the Internet. Uh, Even though his life was geared at a different pace than ours, he had to refocus his attention constantly. And if Paul had to work at keeping Jesus in the viewfinder in a completely different culture and pace, then it is certain that we face a similar obstacle. That's what the faith challenge is about this morning. Times change, but truth doesn't. The high calling of God is the opportunity and 
obligation of every believer. It is our great privilege to serve God. It's also our great responsibility to serve God. We don't serve Him to gain acceptance. We serve Him because we're accepted through Christ. We love Him because He first loved us. Philippians 3 is a passage that I keep going back to again and again and again. Because I don't want to waste my one and only life on things that I'm going to lose anyway. And I keep going back to Paul's heart desire that I may win Christ and be found in Him. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. This one thing I do, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And that's the calling that we've been given. And maybe today, it might be time for you to set this down and quit trying to manage it and quit trying to carry it and quit trying to manufacture happiness in your life and quit trying to provide for your own contentment and set this down and pick this up. And when you do, everything else will work out according to God's plan. That's his word. That's his promise. That's the miracle of the calling we've been given. That he only calls us to focus on his cross. He only calls us to take up the cross and follow him. And then he provides for everything else. And when we talk about the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, that's how simple it is. Let me pray with you this morning. As we close in prayer, maybe you have something on your heart today. Maybe there's a burden. Maybe there's a care. Maybe God spoke to you that you're trying to manage life way too much on your own. You're trying to carry the burdens. And you just need to set it all down. And daily, take up the cross. I like how Jesus said that we take up the cross daily to follow him because we every day have to set it all down and take up his cross again. Father, we pray that right now, that in every heart in this room, that we would make commitments that are worthy of a Savior who gave everything for us. And Lord, if there's somebody here today who does not have you in their lives. I pray that right now in their hearts, they would commit their lives to you. Say, Jesus, I want you as my Savior. Uh, I know that I'm a sinner, but you came to die on the cross to pay for my sins. And I accept the eternal life you offer. Help me to take up the cross and follow you. And if you're a believer, I I hope that's the prayer of your heart as well. And Father, we thank you for all these things. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope you guys have a great Sunday. We love you, everybody. We'll see you soon.